Hello, hi everybody. Welcome to Football in General. It's Rob Case. And Trevor Koppel. Trevor, the NFL draft is over. And uh, I think we're all wondering, should we care? <laughs> should we I care mean, about anybody that got drafted? It, uh, it's over. And, uh, you know, looking towards the draft, looking back at it now, you know, we, we knew this was going to be a, a somewhat underwhelming draft class. Um, but uh, we still had to make the most of it because, like I've said before, it's it's the biggest day on the calendar between the Super Bowl and Week One. So, uh, so uh, you know, one more off-season milestone has passed. Yeah, I only ask should we care because you know my feelings on the draft. I I think it's well, it should be noted as an absolute crapshoot, and the pundits might as well be throwing highlighters at the wall. <laughs> right. at pictures of guys and saying that guy's good enough to go in the second round, the third round, first round, so on and so forth. So it's, it's really not, um, it's not my, you know, it's not that I don't like watching the draft. I think it's like you said, it's the closest thing we're going to get to football in basically like three months, unless you're watching the USFL, which I am, but Trevor's not. Um, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, I, hey, I'd hey, like quick. to have the, the, the time yeah. and opportunity to, to watch these. I am very interested. Um, but, uh, no, I have not caught a game yet. Well, we will talk about it next week then. Anywho, um, <laughs> I just think, yeah, it's it's just a crapshoot. And look, even looking at, like, the top of the draft, um, I, I, I don't know. Do you feel like – we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about the draft as a, as, a, as a general topic in the beginning here, folks. I'm going to ask Trevor a lot of questions. We're going to just break it down. Looking at the top of the draft, Aiden Hutchinson, Trey Walker, right? Um. Does it ever give you any sort of uh, confidence in the draft that two guy that that there isn't a distinctive one overall pick that even up leading up to the draft there was a lot of debate and like all these different sources were saying there was like turmoil about the number one overall pick. Is that ever like a good sign that this draft is strong and that it's not a quarterback? There, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that can be, you know, they they, they kind of stand out as unusual and and they're explained by. It's just not that good a draft class. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, sometimes there is controversy over who's going to go number one overall. Uh, it's usually about what the team with the first pick is looking for in a quarterback. That's usually what it comes down to. Um, yeah, exactly. But, uh, but this time there wasn't even a clear number one with something as easy to evaluate, as comparatively easy to evaluate as, uh, as a defensive end. You know, these, these things, you know, a defensive end, whether or not they're going to succeed at the next level, is uh, it's still a roll of the dice, but it's not nearly the same thing as uh, predicting which quarterbacks are going to have success at the next level. Uh, so you, you would have thought there would be a more clear number one, and there wasn't, because um, there wasn't an Aaron Darnold in this uh, draft class. So uh, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's not the strongest draft class. Um, I think you saw this year a lot more teams addressing exactly what they need on their roster instead of taking the best talent available type of mentality, mm-hmm. which can really work mm-hmm. out for a lot of teams. You know, like, oh, we didn't, we didn't need a cornerback, but we couldn't pass on this one, so we drafted a really good cornerback. You didn't really see that this year. You saw teams uh, going for the blank spots on their roster 
and uh, and I think it's because there's just just not a lot of of, of you know really special players to go after. That's kind of how I felt. I, that's a good take. I mean, just looking at it as a whole, like that would explain a lot of the reaches, right? I think so. I think. I mean, I yeah. think we. You know, there, there's a lot of teams. You look at it and oh, they picked somebody that you you wasn't predicted to go for another you know forty fifty selections, um, and it's it's because well, the people that were projected ahead of this player weren't so good that the team picking couldn't pass on them for what they need. Uh, so I, I think that happened a lot in this draft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's true. Like, Hey, I'll just, we, we need it. This particular player, this particular position in our mind, he's worth it. In this draft, it's too weak. And uh, honestly, that, you know, I think there was a lot of, um, and I think the draft pundits are very guilty of this. Todd McShay, uh, <laughs> Of course, our, our boy uh, Mel Kiper Jr. Right, the <laughs> the slick back, you know. Um, and I think they're guilty of every year, but especially this year, it was pretty egregious. I I thought that you know where they had rated a lot of these players and where some of them went, and then where some of the reaches were. Every team had a reach. In, in particular, there were some teams that reached a lot. New England, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Dallas was another one. Um, you know, just looking through the board, like, you know, it, they just these the draft pundits. I mean, yes, they study the college players, but they they don't work for the NFL. They don't work for the NFL teams. They're not in the scouting department. They're not learning from grizzled scouting guys from like nineteen seventies. <laughs> you know, who are chewing tobacco and watching. You know, from like binoculars instead of on the film. <laughs> you know. <laughs> They they aren't though. They aren't learning from these like guys who know the ins and outs and this is how you spot a player and this is how you spot a bust, this is how you spot somebody who's really good, right? And they're and they're also trying to, to scout like seven hundred players instead of like just a few or like a certain position. So like they don't have the you know, like they just don't have this particular range to say like this particular position I'm really good at scouting. It's that it's like I have to scout seven hundred guys to make a draft board. And they have a seven-round mock draft every year. And I have to do it from the beginning to the end. I'm not saying they're not, like, educated in the sense of scouting to some degree. It's just right. they're not these guys. And well, so, like, and you see it every year. In, unless they have a team working for them, you you got to think, like, yeah, they, they probably watch some games and look at tape on players, but they can't look at it all. So eventually it's going to come down to, I mean, I would assume that they, they base a lot of their decisions off of metrics, which it just, right. it, it doesn't tell the whole story. It, it, it never does. It, it can be reliable up to a point, but, uh, but obviously these, these, uh, you know, these front offices that are evaluating the players that they're interested in, they're going to take a much closer look at him than uh, than somebody like Mel Kiper Jr. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So. You're right. He's not meeting the player one on one. Like Mel's not out there interviewing him, you know, in like a room by himself <laughs> with the player. You know what I mean? As far as I know, you know, like he's not like they're not. He's not giving out tests and like watching film with them. Although there is like an ESPN series. I think where Peyton Manning does that, right? But nonetheless, <laughs> that's not Mel Kiper. 
Yeah, I, that's not Mel Kiper. Actually, it used to be John Gruden, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, John that, Gruden. That yeah. was his thing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you see here? Uh, 65 Y banana, right? Yeah. That was a pretty good John Gruden. Anyway. That so, was good. Uh, <laughs> was it bad <laughs> on the spot? So uh, I don't know. I, I don't think like, or don't know much about like Mel Kiper or Todd McShay or insert, I don't know, white <laughs> milk toast draft pundit here. You know, that's what it is. That's what they all are though. Like, they're just interchangeable to some degree, and Mel Kiper's the only one that sticks out because he talks in a, a specific manner, you know. So I, 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 I don't. And he's the original one. He's the OG. He's been doing it forever. So, um, you know, the, I just I, I hate to think think that they would overrate a lot of these players, but they do, and they're not going to be perfect. And, and it's not baseball. They're not supposed to hit 300. But but golly, I mean, like a guy like Malik Willis, right? Which we have no idea. Maybe he'll be a stud. Supposed to go first round. Maybe he was high as second or third overall. I think we were talking about it on a on a podcast just looking through like a mock draft and he was like second overall, right? At WalterCampFootball.com. Right. He goes eighty six overall to Tennessee, who traded into that position for, from Vegas. So it's it's not like I mean, what did they give up to get him? Like a third and a fourth round pick? You know? So like a guy like okay, first round, granted he's an FCS player, he plays for Liberty, he's a quarterback, um, goes 86 overall, you know? So what does that tell you? I mean, I, it's, I just... it's, pretty, it's pretty hard to explain. Um, the, the, the outcome is that if any of these quarterbacks uh, find any amount of success, then uh, the teams that grabbed them got them cheap. Because, um, yeah, we're, we're used to seeing, you know, what, like about – five to seven quarterbacks go in the first round typically it's been a been a theme i think i think you're right yeah so to have to have the second quarterback picked at 74th overall in the third round um it's 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 it should tell you everything that you really need to know about this draft class um and to an extent, I, I don't know how much the quality of the draft had to do with the crazy amount of trades that we saw. All, I mean, if you put together a mock draft, it was absolutely decimated by all the shuffling around of the picks. Because, um, you know, teams are moving up, teams are moving down. They, have, they all have different needs. Some of them have the same needs. But, uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, we saw so many... You know, you, it was even if you were just keeping track of one team, it was really hard to keep track of when your team was gonna really pick next. Oh, they moved up. Oh, they moved down. Um, and uh, and I think part of that was, especially in the early rounds, you just don't don't see that to that extent in the early rounds. But we did this year, and I think it's because there weren't enough players that nobody could pass on. Like I was saying before, like, oh, maybe maybe this isn't exactly what your team needs, but you're not going to let this guy slip through your fingers, so you're not going to trade out of this spot. Um, yeah. And we, just, we saw so many trades shuffled around in the early, in the early rounds, and we're just not used to seeing that. Well, you know, and, and another, like, general theme, in addition to trades, was the amount of receivers picked. <laughs> I think it was, what, 17 in the first three rounds or something like that? Or 18, 20, 20, something crazy. 
Like some absolute some number you wouldn't see in any other draft. So like that's what you value. You get enough receivers around a guy who's an average quarterback or somebody who can just which all of them can basically complete sixty five percent of their passes nowadays. And you end up with a, a better quarterback because you got somebody dynamic like Jamar Chase on the outside or something. And that's that's what everybody was basically doing was just let's just get a receiver. <laughs> if well, we only get more receivers, and you know, I, let's go four or five deep. I feel like yeah. wide receiver and defensive line, those are those are two positions that it's great to have depth with. Um, yeah. But also, like, those are, those are two positions that are much easier to evaluate uh, in college than, than a lot of others are. You know, you don't know, uh, you know, if an offensive guard or an offensive tackle is – I mean, sometimes you do, but most of the times it's really hard to tell if, like, is this guy going to develop into an NFL player? Um, so I think uh, I think that had to, a little bit to play with how many we saw go, uh, especially in the the first three or four rounds, because it was just it was nothing but it, there for a while. It seemed like that's all it was was wide receivers and defensive linemen. Um, so it's it's uh, it's definitely uh, a different draft than than we're used to. Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, especially the receiver position. Good God, I mean. <laughs> There was like, and and maybe the the I think the position was fairly deep this year, but it also may maybe one of those things where it's overrated in terms of the scouting, right? I I think so. I I don't. I think expect, could be honestly. I don't expect there to be quite as many immediate impactful players, uh, wide receivers as we've seen lately. Um, I I don't think there's going to be a lot of Justin Jeffersons <clears throat> and Jamar Chases coming out of this draft class. I just haven't seen it. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. 17? I hope some of these new guys uh, absolutely light it up because that's, that's the kind of football we love to see. Uh, but I'm not holding my breath for it. 17? Is there that much receiving talent in, in college football these days? Or they, do they just develop quicker? Is it easier to put them in a scheme from an offensive standpoint when they get to the NFL? Because, you know, the game's already wide open. Or, or what I, do you think? I, I think when these guys have the talent and ability and and these front offices meet with them and they can confirm like okay he's got the right head on his shoulders like we can turn this guy into you know the slot receiver that we need so i uh i just think it's an easier to evaluate uh type of position um and, and i think that's why we saw more of it in this lackluster draft class ouch <laughs> I'm running out of ways to say it here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't think of any more adjectives than lackluster. Right. I. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I. F- I feel like you know. I just look at some of these players, and golly, I've never seen so many receivers. And granted, I. I think in general, there's only like four or five receivers that come out of any draft that are like le- were eight, probably legitimately worth drafting. You know. Um, I. I'm not saying that with confidence, <laughs> but I'm sure that's the case. Um, you know, I think if you look at any, any of them, so in this case where 17 go, I mean, what's the chances like four of those are good. Uh, right. Probably pretty small. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here, you know, so it's, it's just it's a copycat also, league. It's also one of those position groups though, that, uh, you know, a team will carry five, maybe six wide receivers yeah. 
and you're always looking for your, your starting three. You want three receivers that you can put out there all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, they get drafted a little higher or maybe they're on their second contract and, and they're, they're losing a step. If, if you've got somebody that's, you know, more expensive than a rookie in your four or five wide receiver spot, then why not save some cap space and get a young, moldable uh, guy that's full of potential for cheap out of the draft? So, you know, there, there's different ways to look at it that, that start to make it make sense, even though there couldn't possibly be 17, you know, future Hall of Famers coming out of this draft class. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I, I highly doubt it. Maybe a couple. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that sound like Jim Rome. Maybe. Maybe a couple. Maybe not. Um, it, it's it's interesting. I, you know, the other theme to the to the draft here and was the, like we mentioned earlier, sort of foreshadowed it, was the, the quarterback falls. And why that even happens, I mean, no quarterback selected in the second round. When's the last time no quarterback got selected in the second round? Not it's, even one. It's crazy. Not even one. It's, it's yeah. absolutely crazy. I thought for sure we'd see a couple of quarterbacks go in the second <laughs> round. Uh, instead, we just had two quarterbacks in the third round. Or was there three? Three. Three, three, three quarterbacks yeah. in the third yeah. round. Uh, but th- that's, you know, quarterbacks two through four in the third round. It's, it's nuts. So going, going at it, right, um, let's, let's start with Desmond Ritter, right? Because we're not going to – listen, <laughs> we just can't analyze all these picks, folks. We just can't. Uh, we tried doing it last year. I, I, I don't know to what any avail. Granted, it was like right after COVID, so I don't think much of us had anything to do other than watch the draft. <laughs> I know all these players by heart. It just didn't happen this year. So, but with that being said, um, Desmond Ritter goes 74th overall to Atlanta. Um, he's a winner. 50 career starts in Cincinnati. Went to the playoff last year. Got blown out. No surprise there against Alabama, right? Uh, but second, second guy to come off the off the board here in the third round. Uh, a guy who's really athletic, ran a good, really good 40, apparently has a lot of uh, Marcus Mariota traits, which I don't know if that's a blessing or, disca- or a curse. Right. But nonetheless, um, just answers a situation where he could be sort of like a, like a Jalen Hurts type type quarterback in Atlanta. 6'3", 211. What, what, what do you think about the pick here at 10th overall in the third round, 74th overall? I mean, he, he fits the prototype really well. Um you know, and, and on, uh, speaking honestly, this is a team that I wish I could have seen more of this year. I, I, I did watch them in the yeah Cincinnati. Yeah. I, I saw yeah, them they, in the playoffs. They were, they were really competitive, um, right. but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, if there was a team that didn't belong in the in the playoffs, this was probably it. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, I, I think that uh, getting him in the third round is a steal um, if you're just kind of saying, well, maybe he'll turn into the guy. Because um, usually when you're drafting a quarterback in the third round that can maybe develop into somebody, he hasn't been to the college football playoffs. Um, he hasn't been on that stage and, and had this many starts. Um, so, I, I mean, as far as drafting – a quarterback in the third round, I think this is a home run. Um, hmm. But in the context of the draft, it says a lot about the draft. Oh, no kidding. 
you know, a guy like Desmond Ritter who's accomplished and uh, <laughs> apparently a Marcus Mariota clone. That, that's all I need to hear. I don't need to hear anything else. <laughs> if you compare it to Marcus Mariota, then I'm, I'm surprised he even got picked at all, though. You know? Even if he is a good quarterback and he's developmental and he's got 50 career starts and he's won a lot and he went to Cincinnati and he had good coaching, like, why should I care about a guy who gets compared to Marcus Mariota and goes in the third round? Well, and what's interesting here, I, I didn't realize this, but uh, Marcus Mariota is with the the the, the Falcons, the Falcons right yeah. now. So he's yeah. being compared yeah. to the guy who he will be <laughs> in quarterback competition with. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's in, weird. It, in that context. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little more like what 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 are you doing, Atlanta? Uh, <laughs> this is just I, silly. I, I mean, are they going RPO? You see, that's what I'm saying. So what? what is this? Like, they're going to push Marcus Mariota as the starter. I, I assume Desmond Ritter probably has, uh, I mean, he's the most quarterback, NFL-ready quarterback next to Kenny Pickett in this draft, which I don't know if he's saying a lot. So, right. like, he's going to start for the Atlanta Falcons. How bad is Atlanta going to be this year? Sorry, not to get off topic. It's but not, it's just not think about going it. to be good, okay? Especially if, I mean... Oh. Run, you keep mentioning the run pass option. Uh, it's like you, you want this guy to come in and and play like he's uh, Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? Like it's just not going to happen. Um, that's if you that's have almost to mention, that's almost what it takes. Yeah. To uh, I, I, to be successful in that type of scheme is you need an absolute uh, standout type of uh, athlete. So and, and this guy doesn't look to be that guy. So I I just. You put RPO and winning in the same sentence. I mean, how does that make you feel? Yeah. How does it make you feel if you have to think about RPO and winning in the same sentence? That doesn't compute, you know? It's not good. It's not good, man. It's it's not good. So, needless to say, Atlanta won't be good this year. Um, I think we already knew that, but they took Drake London in the first round. So, it's not like they're not building... They're building, like, a decent offense. And, and, and you know, a lot of this stuff... I don't know. These quarterbacks had to go somewhere... Um, a lot of the teams that took quarterbacks uh, this year are probably still trying to figure out what they're going to do to find the quarterback that they want. Um, and 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 who knows whether or not the teams? I mean, because there's a, there's there's a lot of teams that are have the same problem. They're looking for a real quarterback that they can put a team around and, and take a shot at a title. Um, some of them went and got quarterbacks in this draft. Some of them didn't. And, uh, it's, it's tough to say whether or not it'll even matter, um, in, in, in each team's search for the right guy. So it's, it's not like, uh, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is teams like Atlanta and Carolina that, that took these quarterbacks, they didn't waste a first or second round pick on him. Um, so, so, so it's really almost it. a moot point already. <laughs> sure. Well, I, yeah, the value's there. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I guess my point is if you mention R, RPO, this guy, if you mention, well, first off, the RPO and the winning, that I no, that doesn't work in the NFL. So it's not, it's not college, right? And then if you mention third round pick is supposed to push the other guy for the starting job, they're going to be in the top five of the draft next year. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
That's what it is. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, it's just, this is, this is the reality. So, like, I, uh, I don't need it, to read more than that. It definitely you know? could, be, uh, could be tanking without looking like it. You know what I mean? Like, oh. uh, this, this is our guy. We're going to do the best we can. Uh, oh. we, we really are going to do the best we can and plan on having a top five draft pick next year. <laughs> it's just ugly. Just ugly. This is a, okay. So the next guy got picked, right? Malik Willis. I already mentioned him. 86, 82nd, uh, 86 overall. Uh, the Tennessee 22nd overall in the third round. Um, 6 1, 2 19. Here's his pre draft analysis. Um, makes big throws down the field. Extremely athletic, dynamic playmaker, legitimate weapon on run, <laughs> design runs and scrambles. Um, great, outstanding character and work habits. So I, from the, the, just hearing that, that sounds like somebody who's worth taking a first-rounder, right? End of the first-round pick. Well, uh, unforeseen stumble. <laughs> Biggest surprise of the draft, Willis Falls third round. Uh, landed an ideal spot because, obviously, he can he can learn behind, <laughs> which we'll get to in a second, Ryan Tannehill, so we think. Um, and he can be incorporated in, like, a run-heavy attack, which, once again, is not going to win you any playoff. It's not going to get you in the Super Bowl, but we'll get to that. Malik Willis. Um, tumbles down in the third round, lands in a pretty good spot. Um, but uh, once again, we got to wonder why he's down in the third round and not a very good quarterback draft. He played for Liberty. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I don't I, know. And I hate, I hate <laughs> that that's the knock against Malik Willis as he played for Liberty. Because um, I like to believe that, that you can find, you know, diamonds in the rough and you can, you can draft – players from these schools uh that are that are better than the teams that they were on and uh and really find success and that does happen but uh you know the last time we had a big name quarterback coming out of a small school was it uh i'm blanking on the guy he's with the commanders now um carson wentz carson wentz thank you South Dakota um, State or North that, Dakota State, whatever. That's the Some. best example I can come up with in, in recent memory of of a guy coming from a smaller, uh, smaller program and doing well, and uh, you know, it's not going so well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I I wish Malik Willis the best of luck. I, I hope he thrives in this league, but uh, but that is. That is the knock against him is, is, you know, yeah, he's got a great attitude, great work ethic, you know, got the speed, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, what, what kind of stage has he seen? What kind of, you know, what, what kind of weapons is he used to using under center? Because um, he, just, he just hasn't been surrounded with the type of talent that he's about to be surrounded by on both sides of the ball. Um, and it's... Uh, anybody's guess right now as to whether or not he's going to be able to make that leap but he's going to have to learn right and like you mentioned you mentioned earlier it's not a you know there's no there's no like you're not losing value if you take quarterback in the third round right especially in this draft like that seems like that's the best option in this draft however um titans are win now they have ryan Tannehill. I guess eventually you're going to have to look at his replacement because if you watched last year and he threw three interceptions in the playoffs and they were terrible, Cincinnati is probably lucky they got out of the first round, to be honest. Because, uh, boy, if Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw at least one of those, that could be a whole other ball game. 
You know, right. oh, that was that was a divisional round. I'm sorry, but nonetheless, um, I don't know. Malik Willis, good spot, but is he going to be coached correctly? Because they've had like four offensive coordinators in four years there. Yeah, they do need to get that figured out. I know that they right? really they really like Vrabel, and and so do I. I think he's an amazing head coach, but uh, that. I mean, unless Derrick Henry is just mowing people over, there's really not, not an identity on, uh, yeah. on offense there. So Right. And he broke his foot last year, and that, that team fell apart. Well, you know? and so um, let, me, uh, let me take you off on a little, little side quest here. Uh, um, I see. Because this, okay. this just popped into my mind. How much faith do you have in Derrick Henry this year? Um, oh, because a lot of things factor in, not just his season last year, but his style of play always catches up to a running back. And we talk all the time now about how these running backs, oh, it's almost the better they are, the, the shorter shelf life that they have. Um, right. So, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm really hesitant um, in, in terms of what I think, you know, because when Derrick Henry's healthy, the Titans, they have an easy time passing the ball, and everybody understands why. Uh, but if he can't do what he does, and he can't, he, even if he can, I, I give it no shot that he can do it for a whole season. Um, I feel like two years ago, they kind of missed their window on on going all the way with the Derrick Henry formula. Um, so what do, what do you think about that? Well, I just wonder, like, how many... Players have actually been productive after the 2,000-yard season. Can you think of any that have had a good season after that? Like, that's 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 the pinnacle. Like, okay, you've had almost 400 attempts in a year. <laughs> right. You know, or 400 attempts. And then you run for 2,000 yards. So think about them, right? Off the yeah. top of my head, I can think of Terrell Davis, Jamal Lewis, Eric Dickerson, right? Barry Sanders. Right. Barry Sanders retired the year after you did it. <laughs> no, and, and, I mean, you the, know? the one that stands out for me as a Vikings fan <laughs> Uh, Adrian, Adrian Peterson, Peterson. And, right. and that will go down in history as the greatest comeback season. You know, he got comeback player of the year because he, he did that 2,000-yard season after missing most of a season with an ACL tear. But since that season, you just saw a steady decline, and then he bounced all around the league. And uh, I don't even know. Is Adrian Peterson retired yet? He, he, oh, God, he, I have he no should, idea. He should think about yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's my age. Uh, playing Good running back Lord. is pretty insane. Um, Purple but, uh, but yeah, yeah. so uh, I just, I, that's one of the things that makes, you know, that's a huge factor when it comes to evaluating the future of the Titans and the future of Malik Willis. Um, I, I certainly don't think Ryan Tannehill's got a long future there without the Derrick Henry formula working. Um, cause that, that's definitely what made it work. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I, I'm kind of, kind of, uh, worried, uh, for a team that I don't have a reason to really care about. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm holding my breath for the Titans right now. Yeah. You just, uh, you know, me too. I, I think it's a good pick. I, I you can't, you're not going to lose anything. I just wonder you know, is it gonna? It, maybe they just did it to push Tannehill, knowing that he's thirty-three and they can have a lot more years with him if he's good. You know, and then right. you just trade Malik Willis, I guess, or, or incorporate him in some way that um, accentuates his strengths as a quarterback or like a multi-threat, right? right. Um, 
you know, it, it's an ideal spot. It's a run-heavy attack. RPO, though. If I have to say running or RPO, then you just don't put them in the Super They're not going to make it. They just won't. If this isn't how the leagues run. <laughs> right. It's great that they have a game plan to play like this, but they don't go anywhere. They don't go farther than, like, the conference championship. And they they proved it. They haven't uh, gone I mean, farther yeah, than the conference Yeah, I would say, how far have the Ravens gotten? God. Uh, cause, yeah. Because no, nobody has a quarterback that can do that as well as the Ravens do. And it's not been enough. Not not. I mean, it's, it's, not it's been happen. good. It's gotten into the playoffs. But it's it's not nearly enough to to get all the way. So not gonna not gonna not gonna ever make the Super Bowl. <laughs> Sorry, it's not gonna happen. San Francisco did it, I think. What when they played um, Kansas City? But that's Kyle Shanahan's offense, and I'm. And it's not like apples and oranges. Well, it's not. You know, it it, it is kind of apples and oranges. Like that's that's an inside run zone scheme, and a really good that defensive line was super good. You know, Nick Nick Bosa was insane that year. So that's a kind of an anomaly. However, Jimmy G still had a couple good games. I mean, it's not like he didn't throw the ball. It's just it wasn't like he was a complete game manager until I guess the NFC Championship game he was though. <laughs> he threw for like seventy yards. Anyway, it, all that matters is that Green Bay didn't win that year for like the third <laughs> year to start their <laughs> three year drought that's of just right. being terrible. Um, last guy to pick in the third round here, Matt Corral. Um, we, you know, I don't know a ton about about him. I know he went to University of Michigan, right? And then he trans. No, that was Shea Patterson. I'm sorry, wrong guy, wrong year. Um, six two two twelve. Um, apparently, a really good. Uh, got a lot of power, a lot of zip. Kind of throws it like throws the ball like a second baseman, a shortstop. You know, for a quarterback, not great deep accuracy, which is not, not something you hate to hear when you're evaluating a quarterback, especially in the NFL. Um, quick feet. But uh, not quick feet when it comes in the pocket, meaning that he kind of like dances a lot, right? Not good for that. Well, I mean, that, that's here, here comes that, the sentence. That's only here, sorry. Here, sorry, what? Here, no, here comes the sentence though. Just just before you jump in, it shouldn't be a surprise if Coral Corral pushes veteran Sam Darnold in camp. <laughs> yeah, that's um, all you need to hear. Yeah, these guys are just here to. <laughs> put the incumbents on the hot seat yeah um that's all you need to hear so i mean i'm I'm saying here that he's got a lightning quick release and that's good that's good for the nfl but uh if he has issues in the pocket with his feet and 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 not being able to sense uh when the pressure's coming like that is that is a problem that's only going to get worse at the next level um you just don't like to hear that about about someone you're trying to turn into an NFL quarterback. Um, but it sounds like that's not what they drafted him for. They drafted him to push Sam Darnold. I'm, right. I'm sorry. Sam Darnold has never produced anything in the NFL. <laughs> what has he done? Yeah, push, so push you Sam need... Darnold where? <laughs> <laughs> where is he going to go? Yeah, I mean, he's gone to the bottom. Where, why, how, what are you trying to push? It's like, you know, you've seen South, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me, Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. You know, when, uh, what's, what's the, the, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character comes across that big pile of poop. Like, wow, that's a big pile of poop. <laughs> that is, that is a big pile of poop. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's, that's what that quarterback situa- situation is in Carolina. It was so bad that they put Cam Newton in and he was terrible. 
And they wouldn't put Sam Darnold back in because Cam Newton was apparently better. And now you're, you still have Sam Darnold. Yeah. But you Six don't have Cam Newton. Two. Thank God. I didn't know they stacked what, poop yeah. that high. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I, I don't know what to say here. I just, I feel, you know, he's probably a great kid. Uh, and I can call him kids younger than me. And, um, you know, he's got potential. He played in the SEC. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those guys. He, he seems like the guy they'll hit. I, I don't know why. But this is arm strength alone. And, like, the quick feet thing. I know you said it's not good when he gets to the next level. Certainly not good because you'll throw a lot of picks. But, like, something about me, something about him tells me there's, there's something, like, there with him like he might hit for them i just can't i i I do see a little bit more potential in this guy um yeah if only because he's coming out of the sec and he's been on a big stage and he's just a a little more experienced with with a higher uh caliber of players uh uh, both uh, you know on his offense and on the opposing defense um and that's that's again I, i i don't you know, the the romantic in me wants to believe that that the next uh, Hall of Fame quarterback can come from any level in the college game, but that's not real. That I mean, it it can happen, but it the you know the the further away you get from the big stage, the less likely it is to happen. Um, and and as much as I don't like saying this either, uh, the SEC is the biggest stage in in college football. Um, so I, I think it's probably where these guys are being uh, best prepared for uh, to make that that leap into the NFL. So uh, I, I agree. I think that uh, that this guy might surprise us. You know, gets his gets his footwork down, works on that deep ball accuracy. Uh, could could be something. But like, how many times have you seen a guy trying? They're trying to develop him, right? Because he was the third, second, third round pick, and it's like, yeah, he wasn't first, but he's got development um, potential, and he looks good, right? He's got good metrics, and um, he's good on paper and whatnot. He's got a good character, and then because the team sucks, they have to run him out there, and he just gets destroyed, and you never hear from him ever again. Right? <laughs> like, well, and then, and then how, how many? T- I mean, a lot of times teams I draft could... a guy in the third round, and you never hear from him again. Anyways, um, anyways, right. The, I think last year the Vikings took somebody in the the third round. It was supposed Texas to be the next, the next Dak Prescott, and it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I can't even remember his name. Kirk Cousins I, yeah, got yeah. an extension, and uh, that might be it for the the next Dak Prescott. <laughs> yeah, Nolan Void, right? <laughs> so well, thank you. <laughs> that, that's his name. Uh, oh, no. uh, I'm looking it up right now. I'm sorry, uh, Kellen Mond. Yes. Kellen Mond's yeah, the next that, Dak Prescott it. is right. is second string to the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. There so you go. There, um, you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, I just <laughs> I felt bad for Matt Corral. I just feel like he has something. I've watched him play. It's he's pretty electric. He is um, definitely like your eyes draw to him. When when I was watching Ole Miss last season, I watched a lot of Ole Miss. I don't know why there's Ole Miss to here in Arizona. It's really weird. Um, but Ole Miss is always one of those kind of like mid-level SEC teams, and they're always fighting, you know. And a lot of their players that come out end up being pretty good pros. AJ Brown, uh, DK Metcalf. Um, there was a there's a tackle. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but nonetheless, Dwayne Brown. I oh, know he went to Virginia. 
Okay, well, I'll stick with those two receivers. Was it, uh, <laughs> um, did Eli Manning play for Ole Miss? He did. Yeah, I knew one of the Mannings. He did. did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, and I'm sure there's there's more. Um, Elijah Mitchell, right? Uh, Elijah Moore, excuse me, the receiver for New York Jets last year. So they developed really good, um, you know, at least receivers, but just good offensive talent. Um, Shea Patterson, I think, is a USFL leader in touchdowns. So he went to Ole Miss. Um, I, yeah, I just I feel like he's going to be on the path. I just can't help but you hate to see him just go out there and get killed. I mean, <laughs> just right. not prepared. You know, and that's just what I fear for this poor guy. But I feel like he's gonna, he's probably he's the one I would I would have my eye on. Uh, I I think Malik Willis has a lot of potential. Kenny Pickett is what he is. You know, we all know his story by now. Um, but Matt Crowell was kind of uh, I think he was pretty like polarizing for the right 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 reasons. But you're you're right. Defeat thing scares you because if he throws a lot of picks early, he gets sacked. That's pretty much over. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's all it takes in the NFL these days. If you, if you can't, if you can't so, feel those edge rushers coming for you and get the ball yeah. out or get out of the pocket, um, you're just not going to last in the NFL. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. you're right. You are correct, sir. Speaking of not lasting in the NFL, switching gears here from the draft, we'll talk more about it throughout the next couple of weeks. Who, how, what happened to Baker Mayfield? Who, how, what? Who, what, when, where? How, oh, man. How did, how did that happen? So, you know, I'm uh, when it comes to Baker Mayfield, I'm often torn between what my gut tells me about him and uh, the fact that I I love to see, uh, you know, Oklahoma Sooners succeed in the NFL. Because uh, being honest, I didn't see him as an NFL style quarterback before he was drafted. Um I was kind of surprised that he was drafted number one overall, and I was even more surprised that he pulled Cleveland out of the Cleveland epic slump in his first season with Cleveland. Um, but uh, ever since then, it's been a kind of a slow return to earth um, because he's just he's he's never done as well as he did his first year. He seems to do a little less every season. Uh, some of that can be explained by the AFC becoming more competitive altogether. Uh, he, he had that shoulder injury during the season last year, so it's not exactly a fair assessment. But, uh, man, I, I, I feel like his next, his next opportunity is, might be his last one if he doesn't really find a way to get you know, his completion percentage up and, and win games. And win games without relying on, uh, you know, Nick Chubb and this insane Browns rushing attack. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a head scratcher. And man, the uh, it, I, I'm almost surprised at the lack of speculation as to where he's going to land because I've only heard the one team, Seattle, mentioned as uh, as a possible landing spot. And uh, to me, that just sounds like who is the most quarterback desperate. In my opinion, it's Seattle. Um, so do they want to pay, you know, nearly $20 million for someone who only completes 60% of their passes? I, I just, to me, it's, you know, 
Seattle almost would be better off taking one of these guys that we just talked about in the draft. Um, and, and it kills me to say that because he's a he's an OU Heisman winner. I, I wish he would just, you know, with that first year with the Browns, I was like, hey, this is awesome. He's, he's way better than I thought he would be. Let's keep this going. No, he hasn't kept it going. So it's uh, it's an interesting situation to keep an eye on with uh, with the way the quarterback situation is across the league right now. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he could find himself on a team that has a lot of the pieces in place for him to succeed that just needs a quarterback. Um, but that feels a little too good to be true. I'm thinking he'll end up somewhere where he's just going to have another rough season and there won't be much much more after that. Yeah. How the mighty have fallen. I think we all thought there was a lot of potential in Baker Mayfield. Uh, do you remember that? Was that two-point conversion he caught against New York in 20, his rookie year? Uh, they, that rings they, a bell. They, they started somebody. I can't remember who it was, his rookie year. Maybe it was like Case Keenum. No, no, that was last year. Who who started there, his rookie year? I can't remember who the quarterback was. Oh, it was Tyrod Taylor, possibly. No, I think so. But nonetheless, um, yeah, that's that I that play. I thought, wow, they have something special here because he just had he had it right. Maybe he wasn't the best thrower, <laughs> and we found out he's not. Maybe he wasn't the most physically gifted, and turns out he wasn't right. But he seemed to have the intangibles that make up for everything else, and you can't really like teach that at the NFL level for obvious reasons. No, and because it's just innate. And his intangibles were. Definitely his biggest asset before he was drafted. You know, he, I think he walked on at Texas Tech and then transferred to OU. Um, had enormous, you know, college level success in, in both programs, and and that's that's what made him stand out. And I, I got to assume that that's what the uh, the Browns front office saw in him was like, here's a guy that's going to really help us changed the culture in Cleveland, which might have been what they needed the most because um, they had done a pretty good job drafting talent in the, the previous couple of seasons, putting a lot of pieces in place on offense and defense. Uh, and then they bring in a quarterback with, with this uh, you know, charismatic get, get the team one to, wanting, to, wanting to win. Uh, but, uh, man, it, it's just it's, – it's, it's uh, it's lost its pizzazz, and uh, you're starting to wonder, you know, can Baker get that back again with another team? It doesn't look like he'll be able to do it with the Browns uh, when they bring in. Uh, uh, help me out here. Hmm. They bring uh, in who? They bring in Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, so yeah, it's it's just kind of. Uh, I don't want to say it's a sad story yet, but it, uh, you know, things are not looking up for Baker Mayfield. And uh, depending on where he lands, it it could be a a pretty pessimistic situation for him. Like, if you're Cleveland, other than just if Deshaun Watson doesn't play because of obvious, like, you know, um, legal ramifications or NFL suspension, why, why else would you want him there? Like, if you can't trade him, you have to cut him. So then you're going to eat money, right? Right. 
why would you want to keep him? Like otherwise, like do you think you think he would accept a backup quarterback role? Oh, I I, I don't think he would. Um, and I I hadn't thought of that possibility though. Like if if uh, Deshaun Watson gets suspended for a year by Roger Goodell, um, then it makes sense to have Baker Mayfield there. But even then, you know, Baker Mayfield's a human being with heart and feelings. And is he going to do any better for you now that you're, you're just, you're just putting him out there because the guy that you paid through the nose for has been suspended that that's not gonna, that's not gonna look good. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a situation where it's hard to imagine Browns or Baker Mayfield winning. Uh, yeah, that's, it's just, uh, it's an ugly situation. And, uh, you know, I, I keep mentioning that it, it might not be a good situation that, that Baker Mayfield arrives at with his next opportunity, but, uh, the sooner, the better, no matter where he goes. Um, cause it's just a bad situation for him in Cleveland right now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's worse for him than it is for Cleveland, but even Cleveland should want to move on and get him out of the building. Um, so that that the whole team can focus on who they're supposed to be this year. Sad. Um, another another blown number one overall pick by Cleveland. What's that <laughs> yeah, running total we, up to we now? We thought they had bucked the trend. Jeez. But uh, it might just be that Baker Mayfield is the most successful blown number one overall pick by Cleveland. <laughs> Ironically, I, I guess if there's a category there, yeah. Uh, if it had to be created, that's what it would be. Yeah, <laughs> the most successful bad player that's been drafted by Cleveland, number one overall. Wow! And there's been some stinkers. I, I mean, oh my I'm trying God. to think of some off the top of my head. Tim Couch, obviously, right? Who's that quarter? And then they draft a linebacker. Oh my lord, Courtney something. He was so bad. Holy crap, he sucked. <laughs> Courtney, uh, Courtney Brown, I think his name was, right? Right. Two thousand. Yeah, there's been some bad ones. Well, I, I don't think I don't <laughs> yeah. think he was number one overall, but he was definitely a high first round pick. Uh, was he, he? took uh, Brandon Whedon yeah. from Oklahoma State. Oh, oh lord! Oh yeah. man, that that was a Johnny disaster. Menzel. Yeah, good god, Johnny Menzel. Yeah, the, the, yeah. we we uh, we should do an episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I don't even want to watch yeah. those highlights. We're, I don't think you could pay me. We, we don't have nearly enough time this week to go into this topic any further because, boy, there's uh, there's a lot of water oh, in that well. <laughs> yeah, there sure is. Boy, that's painful to hear. Phil, I remember they drafted a guy from Baylor a couple like the same year Johnny Menzel got drafted. His name was Phil Taylor. I was so excited for him. I thought he was going to be so good. I don't know idea what happened to Phil Taylor. I don't know if he's still – where is he? Is he around? He's not I, on our I roster. I haven't heard his name in a long time. <laughs> There you go. Or Corey, uh, was it Corey Coleman, I think, from Baylor? Oh, another guy from Baylor, receiver. Can he play with RG3? I thought he was going to be sick. I have no idea what happened to Corey Coleman. This is the problem. There, like, you can think of draft picks in any other like franchise and be like, oh, well, he got traded or cut. These guys, it's like they get shipped to another universe if they're on the Browns. Oh, I, we don't know where they go. <laughs> where, what happens to them? They, they drafted a tight end from the University of Miami, David Njoku. He's still on that team, right? 
I think so. Okay, that's the only guy we know. I don't even know what he's done. He hasn't made a Pro Bowl. You know, like, um, and the only other draft pick that's really notable was um, Denzel Ward. So when we get into the more recent years, they've had a little more success with guys like Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward. um, But but Chubb wasn't a first-round pick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't yeah. a first round pick. We're talking yeah. first round, um, right? But uh, but no, they they do have. I I do think the Browns have a better roster now than they've had in 25 years, which is yeah. why it's the only reason it makes sense for them to go after Lamar Jackson. Um, sorry, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun bad. Watson. Sorry. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, as long as you know, as long as everything works out and gets smoothed over. Then, uh, then they'll be one of seven or eight teams that are built for a Super Bowl in that conference. Uh, mm-hmm. So, still, <laughs> don't hold your breath, Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, they. You're right, though. They they have constructed a good roster. I mean, and of course, you'd guess you would have to if you're picking high every year, like they are. But like, you know, Jedrick, their offensive line is excellent. Joel Bettino, Wyatt Teller, both um, All-Pro selections. Jedrick Willis Jr. was a really good tackle last year. Rookie, you know, Nick Chubb, Green Hunt. I mean, Mark Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones was good in his second year, a, a decent second receiver. And then obviously Miles Garrett. I mean, <laughs> can't go well, can't go out without saying his name. Denzel Ward. We'll, we'll you know, see so. if the uh, the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars can. Uh, can follow suit and eventually build a good team when they are picking high every year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it just takes time. But in, in Jacksonville's case, it's just uh, boy, it's embarrassing how many oh, years yeah. they picked high recently oh, and it, have it's bad done nothing. <laughs> so it, you know, and um, we'll continue to talk about them throughout the uh, the next couple weeks here, leading up to the season, folks. The NFL schedule comes out next week. Didn't really realize that oh, yes. today. It is a week from today. They've already announced some of the international games, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, the Vikings are going to play in London against the Saints. That'll be uh, that'll be an interesting one because I don't know that either of those teams have played in London before. Um, so it'll be a, a, a new exposure to the fans in London. And a game in Germany. How cool is that? How That's cool is really that? cool. So <laughs> honestly... I was. I mean, it, I, I don't know how I could ever make it happen because because uh, I make about as much money as a full time pizza delivery driver. Uh, just just kidding. It's not not that bad. Uh, but the the truth is, if if my Vikings had gotten the Munich game, I would be looking for ways to be there because I think that'd be a really really fun place to go see an NFL game, and then uh, and then also all the things that Munich and, and Germany have to offer as well. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, it goes without saying. Um, yeah, so the schedule comes out next week. We'll preview it then. Up until then, um, the only uh, thing that would be better. Is... The only thing that would be better is if it was during uh, uh, Oktoberfest, because uh, uh, I, I hear that Munich Oktoberfest is like the best one. So, hmm. yes, the extracurricular activities in Germany sound fantastic. Uh, I wonder when is that game though. I don't know. I know that the London game hmm. for the Vikings is October second, which would be uh, no. hmm. like the tail end of Oktoberfest. I think Oktoberfest oh. begins like the third week of September. Yeah, um, November thirteenth is that Germany game. By the yeah, way. see that one that that misses Oktoberfest by quite a bit. Interesting. 
Okay. Well, nonetheless, still cool. NFL expanding its uh, its horizons as if nobody knows about it. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. so it's, you know the the reason they have to is because they're such a poorly run league. I hate to say it, they're just poorly run from a lot of leadership standpoints. So I'm sure they, you know, they could have done this many years ago with the World Football League and kept it going. And um, I don't know why they didn't. They did. They, I don't know why they disbanded that. I, I get it was losing money, but it's the NFL they basically print money. I mean, right, they get these right. huge TV contracts, and like they're hurting for it. It's just the way of expanding their name, and people love those games. I loved watching the uh, the World Football League. It was fun. Yeah, I, I blame fun. I blame FIFA. FIFA did it. No, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, they drew fans. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But they drew fans. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, soccer and football, two biggest sports in the world. Uh, you, you really can't compete there. It's one A, one B in a lot of ways. Right. So. Anywho, uh, I'm at Bobby Line Instagram. We're at Football in General Podcast on Instagram. He's at Trev Geodude. Trev, do you have anything else to leave our, our uh, friends no, with on just their ways? That, uh, just that we're uh, you know we're in the thick of it now of the off season. Everybody, remain calm. We will get to the start of the season. Rob and I will get you there. We are back same time, same place, same bat time, same bat place next week. Up until then. We're, we are officially three months out from training camp started, so hang in there. Like Trevor was saying, we're going to give you the best content possible. That's why it's important. This weekend, when, when people are graduating, you take us to your <laughs> – you bring the phone in, right? You put it on the grill. You put on football in general. You, you hook it up to the Bluetooth speaker. I mean, you just play the, the beautiful voices here, folks, <laughs> the voices that carry on so much um, – let's say, uh, wisdom, football wisdom, right? Play 45 episodes in a row. It's 45 hours of content. Think about that. That's, I think, think, think about how many, how many uh, parties that could lead, lead you through, through the rest of the summer and into um, 4th of July. Um, you know, that's not counting the episodes we're going to record between now and then. So there's a lot of potential here. That's what I'm saying. To, to, ed- to educate and entertain others without having to put on, I don't know, Rappers like Lil Wayne, um, you know, or or George Strait or Led Zeppelin or anything else. There are better voices on the airways, and mine is one of them. So, anywho, um, put us on, listen, and we appreciate the, the, the listenership and the viewership and all the reviews and whatnot. Until next time, we're out. <laughs>